Insider.com. He's old school. Yeah, he knows about that. Terry, what's up? Oh, how are you guys doing? Fantastic. What's new and exciting in your world as you've entered your offseason? As I enter my offseason, well, finally, I mean, I know that there are, you know, about 100 coaching vacancies. It no feels like kidding. the start of field. Let's start, but, honestly, uh, let's start there. So, Justin and I have been talking about this. This, for some reason, is not like all the other off-seasons. It was more about the coordinators instead of the head coaches. How much are you surprised about that? Yeah, I think, you know, when you look, I believe I read somewhere that scoring was down quite a bit this year in the NFL. So, I guess everybody's looking for ways to, you know, try and find ways to score points. And the Titans are certainly uh, at the head of that list teams that need to figure out ways to score points. Like Mike Brable said as much uh, in Rand Carthon's introductory press conference last week. So it's interesting that so many teams have looked to fill offensive coordinator vacancies as well, you know, even more so than head coach. I think there's what, maybe 11 or 12 uh, vacancies. A couple of them have been filled now. I think, uh, you know, obviously Bill O'Brien left Alabama to go back and work Bill Belichick in New England, and uh, Nathaniel Hackett, who was an unmitigated disaster as a head coach in Denver, but a pretty good coordinator, is going to the Jets, which now, of course, has triggered everyone into thinking that Aaron Rodgers is going to the Jets. I think the total ended up being 14 coordinator jobs were open. Now, like you said, they've been filling up, but I think the number got to 14, which is amazing. And it looks like Keith Carter, by the way, will be joining Nathaniel Hackett as the O-line slash run game coordinator for the Jets. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, you know, Keith Carter certainly had his issues here. I think a lot of those were in terms of injuries and things like that to the personnel uh, that forced it, kind of forced his hand a little bit. But... I do think that, you know, they're probably putting, you know, some of the blame probably has to go to him for the lack of development of guys like Dylan Raidens and Aaron Brewer to become top-flight starters uh, as they were expected to be. What? Who do you, okay, let's just start with the division, okay? The Texans, are they going to address their quarterback situation with their pick, or do you think they're going to go after one of these big names? Well, when you're picking second in the draft and knowing that the Bears are 99% sure not taking a quarterback because they have Justin Fields and want to build around him, uh, you've got your pick of the litter. Yeah. And this is not a great quarterback class. I don't think no. we're going to look back years from now and say that John Elway, Jim Kelly, and Dan Marino came out of this class. Probably not. But but if you have a chance to get either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud when you're up there picking at number two, I think you probably got to roll with it. Hmm. Okay, and I figured you'd say that, but I wanted just to get your thoughts. What about the Colts? What, what do you think they're going to do about their quarterback situation? I think they draft whoever is left over among those two, although there have been, for whatever reason, people who said, oh, you know, they're really smitten with uh, Will Levis. Now, they may be apparently the only ones other than Mel Kuyper who are smitten with Will Levis. But, uh, I mean, you're a Kentucky fan. Tell me what you thought of it. I um, watched him a lot. I've said this on the show. 
I expect, look, I've talked to people, so I've tried to get a little bit different perspective. I want to be wowed when people are saying, you know, this guy's going to go like when, you know, the mock drafts right now, they've got Anthony Richardson. Like I, I'm not a professional scout. Okay. I just do sports talk radio. I watch Anthony Richardson. I, I don't get it. Like I, what am I missing on this guy being a top 10 pick from Florida? I, what in the world am I missing other than he can run? Sure. But that's that to me has got boom or probably more bust written all the way. It feels that way with a lot of these guys you've said. Will Levis feels like either a boom or a bust. And now I watch him. I obviously know he's got big arm. He's got the size. He's everybody I've talked to says he's very smart. He's an intelligent guy, intelligent quarterback. But I expect to be when I t- when you talk about being a top five pick. I want to be wowed. I want to be blown away when I watch you. I think he makes too many mistakes. And, no, I don't see it. But, again, that's just my eyes. I don't see it. It feels like him and Richardson are boom or bust. And, quite honestly, way Bryce, his size, Young and Stroud are probably in the same category. Like, I don't know who's going to turn out to be good. I mean, the chances are one of them is going to be really, really good, right? But there's a chance – the other three can flop or just be average to, you know, just be average quarterbacks. No, I agree with you. I think, you know, you've got to, it's a very, it's maybe even more of an inexact science now than it ever has been because the college game has changed so much. Everybody runs the spread. Everybody runs RPOs. And unless you're willing to adapt some of that into your offense, you're trying to put, you know, the square peg in the round hole, so to speak, you know, every, you know, everybody goes out, you know, spending high picks on these guys, hoping they're hoping they turn into Josh Allen. But then you're, you know, there's always the flip side that they can turn into Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen, Mitch Trubisky, right? I mean, we can just start going down the list of all these guys that have been drafted high, and they're already backups in the league. You know, or out of the league, or out yeah. of the league, yeah, or out of the league, yeah. So, what do you think ultimately the Titans are going to do about their quarterback position? What do you think? Rand Carthen. I mean, he's got to tackle a lot of things, but that is something they have to address. Is it Ryan Tannehill? And who, if it is, who's going to be his backup? I think the smart thing to do, if I were Rand Carthen, and I'm not because they didn't hire me to be the general manager, obviously, but you know that Mike Vrabel really likes Ryan Tannehill. You know, he's said as much. I think you try to get Ryan Tannehill healthy. You roll with him for next year, and you probably bring back Josh Dobbs to be his backup. Uh, you know, I thought Dobbs acquitted himself pretty well, given the limited amount of time he was here. You know, he showed that he was smart enough to pick up what they were doing and, you know, make the offense look competent at times. And, uh, you know, on the other hand, you know, Malik Willis to me looks like one of those, what I just said, one of those guys that, if you're not willing to go all in with him and do what he does, he, you're not going to get the maximum out of his ability. So, you know, I think we saw that when he got into action and was forced in there when Tannehill was hurt. And I think, you know, the Titans don't have enough draft capital to get from 11 into the top three or four in order to get one of these get one of these quarterbacks, even if they wanted one of them. And quite frankly, two of the top four picks belong to their division rivals. Yep. 
Texans aren't trading with them. Colts aren't trading with them. So those two picks are probably already gone on quarterbacks. So at, at best, you'd be getting the third best quarterback on most people's boards if you took one at number 11. So I think they go other ways. You know, you could you could go and sign a free agent. You could go and, you know, bring in Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo or Daniel Jones or somebody like that. But then you're talking about having to redo everything from scratch and maybe not for a long period of time because there's no guarantee that Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield or Daniel Jones or, or even Lamar Jackson, if you know, if he got to the open market or, or was traded, there's no guarantee that any of those guys are a long-term answer because one, some of them have been overly productive, and two, uh, like with Lamar Jackson and to a certain extent Mayfield and Garoppolo, they battled their own injury issues. And how much do you really want to invest in that, even though they're younger than Tannehill? You know, I think sometimes. The devil you do know is better than the devil you don't know, for you know, for lack of a better term. All right, give me – they have to be no-brainers, okay? Give me the no-brainer moves, names we know, starters we know, that Rand Carthen and the Titans are moving on from. They're not bringing back. The no-brainers. Okay. I got to think Taylor Lewan is at the top of that so list. You put that as a no-brainer, he's not back. Yes, not at not at the price tag he has. If he if he wants to be released and come back and play for, you know, on a one million dollar veteran minimum deal or something like that, then you'd entertain that because it would be low risk, high reward. But for what their numbers are right now, there are four guys that I'm moving on from immediately, and it's going to save me over forty million in cap space. Lawan is at the top of that list. Zach Cunningham is on that list. Robert Woods is on that list. And Bud Dupree is on that list. And when you look at the four of them, the only one that really, well, I'll say two. I'll include LeJuan because when he's healthy, he's been pretty decent. Uh, The only one of those other three that you go, when he's on the field, he makes a difference, is Bud Dupree. But he's not been on the field. and You cannot afford to pay an eight-digit salary to a guy who's giving you a half a year. You just can't. Lawan Dupree, and who were the other two? Cunningham and Cunningham. Woods. Cunningham and Woods, Woods. yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that's those two are definitely no-brainers, right? Woods and Cunningham, like there's not even a discussion. Um, what about Ben Jones? Do you think he actually tries to come back and play another year, or are they also looking for a full-time center? I think Ben Jones is heart. He would love to play another year, finish out his contract. But, you know, I think he's got a decision to make. You know, two concussions in a relatively short amount of time and a guy who's on the wrong side of 30, he's got to start thinking about his well-being and life after football. Wouldn't surprise me at all if he decides to hang it up and tell the Titans that they need to look for another center. Now, they could always re-sign Corey Levin to a cheap deal, or they could sign, you know, keep Aaron Brewer and move him from guard to center, which would make him a little less of a liability because you can use a smaller guy at center, and that is his natural position or was in college. So, you know, you could do that, or you could spend a third or fourth round pick on a center and 
you know, groom that guy so that he's your starter for the next three or four years. You know, they're in a sticky situation with this offensive line because I think we saw it this year. When you rely on rookies, and I'm talking about Nicholas Petit Ferrer, who was average, you know, when you rely on rookies, rookie linemen have to learn the ropes. They get beat most of the time. Unless they're, you know, come out gangbusters like Quentin Nelson did with the Colts a few years back or like Trey Smith did with the Chiefs a couple of years ago. You know, rookie offensive linemen generally learn the hard way by getting their quarterback beat up, by not, you know, making the necessary blocks, you know, to expedite in the run game all the time. It's just because they're going up against guys who are older and wiser and have been around and know all the tricks of the trade. So, you know, if they're going to fix this offensive line, I almost think they can't afford to have really more than one rookie starting. They need to go into free agency, find a couple of holes to fill there, and then go with maybe a rookie left tackle with veterans around to help that guy ease into the transition from college to pro. Terry, what did you take away from Mike Vrabel's uh, comments about injuries at the end of the year uh, where he was calling guys two-time offenders uh, when it came to soft tissue injuries? Is, is that – if you heard your name during that press conference, is that not kind of a, a message or a writing on the wall that you may want to start looking for apartments elsewhere? Oh, absolutely it is. I think that that means you need to be – conditioning year-round that need means you need to be uh you know not that maybe those guys aren't already doing that it means that you need to maybe change your diet and reshape the way that uh, you approach that uh you know because you know they don't want guys who are gonna, you know gonna train hard in during the season and eat right and then all of a sudden go out on the banquet circuit uh, in the off season or be seen at the drive-through at McDonald's, you know, very often. Not, not that I'm saying those guys were doing that, but I think it did send a clear message that Brable, Brable, and the organization feels like that some of these soft tissue injuries are preventable. And he pointed out Kevin Byard saying that he never had a pulled hamstring the whole time he's been here. In fact, he never missed a game the whole time he's been here. Yeah. And Kevin Byard is one of the first people who will tell you. He says, over time, he said, I learned that I have to take care of my body, mm-hmm. not only in season, but out of season, in order to be ready for the rigors of an NFL season because it does take a toll on your body. And he wants to be as ready as possible. And that includes everything from the way he trains to the way he eats, to the way he sleeps, all those sorts of things. He and take, I think that that's a lesson that a lot of these other guys may have to fall in line to learn. Yeah, he takes it very seriously for sure. Um, wanted to ask you about your impressions of the uh, most recent press conference we had with Rand Carthen and uh, Mike Vrabel where the word cooperation was thrown around quite a bit. And it left some people wondering who truly is in charge of this football team. So, Terry, I'm going to ask you your impressions. Who is in charge of this football team? That's a good question, and one that they never really, you know, settled on a definitive answer when they were talking about that. Uh, You know, Rand Carthen made several references to, it's my job to work with Mike Brabel and get him 
the best players I can get him so that he can he can coach them up and they can execute the game plans and do it, you know, play the style of football he wants to play. But, you know, Mike Vrabel never came out and said, I'm calling the shots here. I'm, you know, Rand Carthon's answering to me. So that leads me to believe that that's not the case. I think what you get is what Amy Adams wants is two guys who are going to work together. And, yes, Vrabel initially might have a little bit more of the upper hand because he's been here, he's got a proven track record, and, you know, he's the guy that, uh, you know, is kind of the face of this organization right now. But I don't think that that means that Rand Carthon is going to be subservient and, and answering to everything that Vrabel wants because you don't need that. You need we – saw, we saw that here several years ago when, you know, after the, the breakup of Jeff Fisher and Floyd Reese, we kind of saw some general managers kind of take a back seat to some of the head coaches. And in the end, it proved to be a detriment because the coach needs to coach the players that are there and available that the GM provides. The GM and the scouting staff have to provide the type of players that the coach wants. Now, that's not to say there's not going to be disagreements, but I would expect there to be disagreements. And who, who referees those disputes? I have no idea. You know, I guess it could be Amy Adams-Strunk, but my guess is she's not been watching, you know, film of linebackers from Penn State to determine if this guy fits the defensive scheme or not. So it's going to be interesting to see how that, you know, how that kind of shakes out. And, and, you know, where they go when there is a dispute. But, you know, in that regard, even if, even if Mike Vrabel currently has a little bit more say because he's been here longer and because he is the coach, he's the guy who's going to be, you know, putting the product out on the field, I think Rand Carthen has to have enough power and enough say-so that when Mike Vrabel says, I like this guy, that Rand Carthen can say, no, this guy's not a fit because of this. Terry, good stuff. It's going to be a interesting offseason mm-hmm. for sure. Thanks for doing this. Uh, by the way, who wins on Sunday? Who's playing in the Super Bowl? I think Philly and Cincinnati. Mm. Philly and Cincy. Here we go. Okay. That'll good stuff. New. Appreciate it. Enjoy it. We'll uh, talk I, soon. I think, I think a hobbled Patrick Mahomes is probably tilts the AFC game toward the Bengals. Uh, you know, if, if Mahomes were 100%, I'd probably go with the Chiefs. Well, if you look at the uh, press conference video today, uh, he is making sure he has no limp and looks absolutely perfectly fine. And because no one probably heard a word he said, they were just waiting for him to get behind, walk out from behind that podium and watch him go down those steps and out of that room. And that video was all over the place. And, you know, they're, they're trying to act like everything, nothing to see here. But, yeah, I – I'm with you. I'm just – I'm not buying it. That's interesting. Cincinnati, Philadelphia. All right, good stuff. Appreciate it. All right, see you guys. Terry McCormick, TitanInsider.com. 